thank the youth worship team. They did an incredible job, didn't they? Amen, amen. Amen, amen. I love our youth worship team. you do me a favor and join me in, in doing one more thing for us this morning while I, while I got you. Uh, the youth are going away this weekend. The youth retreat. They got a big youth retreat this weekend and uh, Mike and Krista and the, the team, Pastor Zach, are, are taking them this weekend to Branson and they're going to have a good time down there but I also know they're going to have a good time in the Lord. And so do a favor. Let's join in prayer. Join together. And let's just say a prayer of blessing. Pray that God would get a hold of their hearts this week. And God would do something great in their lives this week. And would you join me in prayer and praying over them? Dearly Father, Lord God, I thank you for this amazing group of young people that we have, Lord God. I thank you for our leadership we have over them, Father. God, I pray for this weekend, Lord God. I pray that they have a blast. I pray that they laugh a lot. I pray they smile a lot. Lord, above all else, I pray they get closer to you this weekend, Lord. God, I pray that you would just do a work in their hearts, Lord God. I pray that you would draw them closer to you, Lord Jesus, God. I pray that their relationship with you becomes so real this weekend, Lord God, that they cannot deny it, Father. I pray that you just bless them. You keep them safe, Lord God, and you draw them together and you draw them closer to you, Lord. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen. I am so glad you're here this morning. I've been looking forward to this service for all week. I know some of you guys have been looking for a Sunday, but maybe not for the service, but maybe because you could eat, or maybe because some of you, I heard, I heard some reports that some were brave enough to give up coffee for their fast, and I applaud you. Um, I did not, and so, but I, I applaud you that you did, and I got reports back from some spouses that there was some crankiness going on, but uh, hopefully you made it, and, and uh, hopefully, I, I hope you enjoyed the fast. I hope that it drew you closer to the Lord. I know that when I was fasting all week, I started to do that one thing. I'm like, oh, no, I can't do that. And in that instant, it reminded me, I need to say a prayer. I need to read a word. I need to get closer to God. And all week, I can tell you, I'm here Sunday. I'm better for this past week of doing the fast. I thank you for those of you who joined with us and went through the fast with us and I appreciate that. I, I think what you're seeing this morning is remnants of that. I honestly do. I honestly believe that it's creating in us a hungry heart. A hungry heart to see God. We, man, come on, we're Pentecostal. Let's not be ashamed of that. I say that because I want to see God move. I just don't want you to come to some sterile service and fall asleep on me. I want you to be awake. You keep awake. I want you to see the Spirit of God moving and living inside of us as we come together. We're having church. Why? Because Monday through Friday, I need this. This is what I need. And so that's what I'm praying that this creates in you and I this hungry heart. And I go as far as challenging you it doesn't have to be a corporate fast for you to fast. Maybe the Lord just lays upon your heart. Maybe the Lord lays upon your heart to fast once a week. I don't know, once a quarter, once every, I don't know. Leave it up to the Lord to, to, to decide that. But be open is all I'm saying. If you feel like the Lord's saying, hey, you, you should fast, you know, every Wednesday or every, I don't know. 
All I'm saying is be open to what the Lord says. Because we believe in a living, breathing God. We believe he's alive and well. I believe he still speaks to us. I believe through scripture. Scripturally, this is why I believe. I believe he's given us his spirit to live inside of us. I believe his spirit's still speaking to us like he did this morning. Scripturally, I can show you that. This is what I believe. And I believe that we need chains broken. I believe there's freedom that needs to be experienced. I believe there's joy that needs to be restored. I think none of these things will happen unless we come as a church hungry before the Lord. We come hungry. We come prayer and fasting. And we're going to see God poured out all over this place. This morning has a lot to do with what we're talking about in Acts chapter 17. I'll try not to take as long as I wanted to, but... uh, Acts chapter 17 is very important. It, it, it really, you know, have you ever, you ever listened to what they say? I put they in quotes. You ever, you ever use that? I have a lot of conversations that we talk about what they say. And you do too, right? Because back, back in the day, they said that skim milk was better than whole milk. Well, now today, whole milk's better than skim milk. Well, they say that almond milk's better than, like, what even is almond milk? Like, you can't call that milk, okay? I drink it, but you can't call it milk. It's just almond juice is all it is, right? But it's like, what, what, who are they? Who are they? You know, they used to say, keep your baby in a car seat facing backward until they're one. Well, now they say until they're a certain weight and a certain height. I mean, come on. When I was growing up, and I'm sure many of you, I was in daddy's lap holding the steering wheel. They're driving down the road. I'm pretending like I'm driving. He's driving. My feet are just dangling. They would say that was a bad deal. I'd probably agree with them now, but still. <laughs> My wife had a car. They had, their family had a car growing up. She would sleep in the back window. I mean, they would say that's not a good idea. I'd probably agree with them on that one. But there's a lot of things that they say, right? And our culture is filled with they say. And it's okay, but here's where we get in trouble is, is when they say begins to take on this assumption that also plays the faith. And that's where it gets a little dangerous. In fact, Jesus even warned us that to make sure our faith is built on firm foundation of rock and not sand. And so the question I want to ask you is, is how do I live my life? Right? How do I live my life in a way that is firm? Because if we go by what they say, I mean, just wait till next month and they will change what they say to, you know, back to whatever. And so how do we learn to live in a firm way? I think our scripture, our verses tell us that this morning. The first thing that we're going to see through Paul is there's a strength of focus. There's a strength of focus that won't deter us from what they say if we have a strength of focus. Look at Acts chapter 17, verse 10 to 11. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. And now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And so clearly we're jumping right into where we left off last week. Last week they got run out of town, right? And they're into a new place now. Now they're in Berea. Remember, they, they met with the house of Jason. All of them got saved, you know, and they're loving life. Well, now the Jews come and they attack the house of Jason. 
right? And it's kind of funny. You're kind of reading it, and you think, well, all this fighting's going on. Jews finally wake up, and they look up, and they go, well, hang on. Where's Paul and Silas? Like, they're gone. Well, why are we even doing here, right? And so now, here where we're at. And, and so what we see, the first thing that we see is, so now Paul and Silas, they went to Berea. I think that's the first thing that we learn, an important lesson from Paul, an important lesson you and I can take, is Paul immediately continued in obedience to carry out the mission that God had set him on. Immediately. I mean, he got ran out of town. Guys are beating guys up trying to get to Paul and Silas. They leave that town, go to another town. Don't you think you want a break? I'm like, you know, I need a time out. I need a sabbatical right now. I need some time just to get alone myself, recenter myself, and meditate. I need to, no. Paul and Silas, they jumped right back into it. They were immediately back. They stayed focused, right? Here's where I recognize that Paul did not allow his circumstances or his situation to dictate how he lived. Come on. How many of us can say that with an honest heart? Paul did not allow his circumstances or situations to dictate how he's lived. Come on. You have a bad week. Everybody in your house knows you had a bad week. Come on. Come on. But here's what we're learning, that we're not going to let this sway us now. And this is an important lesson for you and I, that we can be honest with each other for a moment, that do you allow the circumstances to affect you? Do you allow your, your, your success or maybe lack of success do you allow your situations maybe to dictate your joy in your life? Or do you allow the, the, your circumstances to determine how you live in obedience to God? Come on. That's a difficult one. I mean, from Paul's point of view, we see that he clearly did not. He remained, he was faithful even in the midst of his struggles. Even in the midst of the difficult times. Even in the midst of him getting beat up. He's remaining faithful to what God has asked him to do. This is why I put so much emphasis on, I need more of him. Come on. Because that is not within me. I have a difficult day and I want to give up. I have a difficult week and I want to throw in the towel. I'm like, I'm done with this. That's why I need more of him. This is what Paul is saying. I'm staying on task. Why? Because I'm living close to the Lord. I mean, it's not all roses all the time. Christian living is not without trial. I mean, you just look around you this morning. You don't have to look very far, and you're going to see somebody's hurting right now who's going through a trial. Maybe it's a healing needed. Maybe it's financial struggle. I mean, they're, they're, we're all hurting in one way or another. It's just this thing we call life. And at this point of the conversation, as we look at the example of Paul, we must pause and recognize, do we allow our situations to determine our joy? Do you allow your situations to determine your joy? What a dark, dark life that would be. As you turn on, and I, I, I like Fox News. I'm not bashing the news. But you turn on Fox News for more than 10 minutes, it sucks the joy out of me. I get mad. I get angry. I get frustrated. And so it's easy. I recognize that it's easy to allow our circumstances sometimes, our situations sometimes, to determine our joy. My challenge for you this morning is do you remain faithful to the mission? 
Jesus said it this way in John 16, 33. He said, Jesus said this, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Did you get that? I've told you all this so you can have peace. So here's a, here's a promise. Like here's one you should highlight in your Bible. This is a promise exactly for you. So this is a promise. What's a promise? I'm going to have peace, right? So take that promise to the bank. This is why we stand with joy no matter of our circumstances. Because he goes ahead and tells us. He goes, oh yeah, by the way, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. I'm like, Lord, you could have just left that one out and been all right with me. Right? But he, went, he was honest with us. But then he gives us the answer. But take heart because I have overcome the world. This is how we have joy in the midst of a trial. This is how we have joy when it does not make sense to have joy. Because I'm hanging on to this promise, this promise that says I can have peace. I can have peace, why? Because he's overcome the world. That's my answer. I'm going to stand on that answer. That's how I have joy in the midst of this challenge. I want to challenge you. Open up your heart just for a minute and think. What is it in this moment right now that brings you stress, pain, and anxiety? It may be physical, it may be emotional, it may be spiritual. Whatever it is, you need to hear the words of Jesus. That you have peace. The words of Jesus that says you're not alone. The words of Jesus says he's bigger than any problem you ever have. The words of Jesus says don't quit. When you've done all you can do, just stand. That's the promise. That's how we have joy. In the middle of pain, we keep an eye on the mission. We're obeying God because He's promises we're going to have peace. And here's what I know about God. I've seen this played out in my life. That in my lowest moments, He gives me affirmation. He gives me a pat on the back, the attaboy. I'm sure you've heard this one before. And you can relate. The one thing about God... He's seldom early, but he's never late. We can trust him. We can depend on him. It may or may not mean he delivers and affirms the answer you want, but he knows what's best, and we trust him for that. I know, listen, saying this is really easy. I understand that. Living this out, this is not easy. You've been praying for that one thing. You've been praying for that one thing. You want that one thing to work out in your life. You want that one thing. And that's not in God's will. It's not easy. But guess what? I trust Him. Why? Because I found promises like this. This book is full of promises that He's given specifically for me and for you. That's what I stand on. That's why I say we need to be hungry. Why? Because this is not in me. It's not in me to have peace when everything against me is fighting me tooth and nail. I just want to give up. I want to throw in a town. But I'm standing aside. I'm going to have peace. Why? Because the one who's greater than me said I can have peace. Why? Because he's overcome this world. That's why I stand on this promise. So we're focused on him. Second thing that uh, Paul says is Scripture helps us to filter the truth. Scripture helps us to filter to truth. 
Paul understand this. Paul could be faithful in his circumstances. Why? Because he knew he trusted God's word. He knew the promises. He stood upon the promises. Look at the second half of the, verse 11 and verse 12 here. It says, They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Verse 12, Many of them therefore beloved believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as, as well as men. So look at the example that Paul sets. He's like, this is the word of God. They heard it with eagerness. Okay, so Paul said these two. Paul said we need to be focused, right? And we need to have scripture filled. Now I want to show us a couple things, and I'll hurry. A couple things from the Berean church that I want us to see this morning. The first thing is this. They received the message with eagerness. They received it, the message. They received this message with eagerness, right? We read in verse 11, they received the word. So we hear what Paul is communicating. They're listening. They have a desire to learn. They're eager to know. They're open for instruction. They have a desire to be taught. I mean, that, that's a spirit we can learn from right there. The eagerness to receive the message. An eagerness to receive the word. And you walk through the rest of the scriptures, you can see that they were blindly, they had this blind faith, blind faith of mistake, let me just tell you that. I've heard this, said, this saying a lot, and this is a mistake, this kind of a churchanese wording here. Well, the preacher said, right? Don't say that, please don't say that. First of all, you probably can't repeat some of the stuff I say because I make up a lot of words. But what does Scripture say? What does Scripture say? Well, the, the preacher said, so, no, 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 no. What does the Bible say? And I think because of that, we can learn from the Bereans, because they had this eagerness to learn. They deep dive. They, they just, they got the word, and they had this eagerness to grow, eagerness to discern, to, to discern it, to learn it, to, to grow in it. And so what you see in the Bereans is they want to learn, they want to grow. And doing this, though, they also wanted to ask some big questions. That's what I want to tell you. It's okay to ask some big questions. Don't feel guilty for it. You know, some big questions like, is the Bible really the Word of God? Is God really real? I mean, we, there's some big questions. And some of you want to ask those questions. Some of you are scared to ask those questions. But here's the deal. It's okay to ask those type of questions. Whatever the big question is, it's okay to ask as long as you understand this one truth. Okay? Ask whatever question you want to ask, but you have to understand this. You have to know that there is a truth to discover. Okay? Ask the biggest questions you want to ask God anything. Okay? But understand there's a truth to be discovered. And just know this, that the result is not going to be some open-ended question like, well, whatever you decide is okay for you, whatever I decide is okay for me. I'm sorry, I'm not politically correct this morning, but that's not okay. Why? Because there's a truth to be discovered. You hear what I'm saying? Ask whatever question you want to ask of God, but you need to be okay with there's a truth to be discovered. It's not just whatever feels good for you is okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry this is coming off a little rough this morning. But if you're willing to ask the question, you need to be willing to accept the answer and know that there is a truth to be said. 
That's all I'm saying this morning. There's a truth. There's an absolute truth to be discovered. Proverbs 14, 12 says it this way. It says, there is a, a way that seems right to man, right? Come on, we all see that in our culture. There's a way that seems right. Whatever seems right to you, you just do it. But the rest of that verse says, but it ends in the way to death. Again, I'm just reading scripture. Don't blame the messenger. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says this, I need to trust in the Lord with all my heart and not lean on my own understanding. And in my way, all my way, acknowledge him and he will make my path straight. He will Don't lean on my understanding. Okay, what do I lean on? Right here. You lean on the word of God. You ask God for a question, then you've got to seek him for the answer. This is what we've seen in the life of the Bereans. They were in eagerness to learn the word of God. I've got to hurry up. The second thing is, we see the sense of eagerness and the sense of longing. And that's what I've been crying about here the last few weeks, is this sense of eagerness and longing for you and I. What is God going to do? Every Sunday we show up with this eagerness, this hunger. What is God going to do today? Like, I can't wait to see how he moves today. I can't wait to see who gets touched today. I can't wait to see who gets healed today because I'm believing for that. I'm believing for the signs and wonders. Why? Not because we can have this fun little church. No. It's so the world can have a testimony. Listen, I was hurting and now I'm healed. How did it happen? I don't know, but I know God was involved. Right? That's why we're hungry for the signs and wonders, so we can point people to Jesus. Everything we do is for the sole purpose of pointing people to Jesus. We got one job, point people to Jesus. I mean, that's our job, right? Tell our story, tell our witness, tell what Jesus did in our lives, tell how he healed us, tell how he saved us, tell how he freed us. We point them to Jesus. All eagerness. You have to understand that the norm of the day for the Bereans was they would go to synagogue. They'd go to Sabbath, like on a Saturday or something. The rabbi would read scripture. They'd give the message, and then they would go. The Bereans were like, no, 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 hang on a second. We need more. We need more than that. We, and we see this hunger, this eagerness to desire scripture every day. Again, don't please don't get me wrong. I'm going to talk about scripture. This is not something you have to do. But we do it, why? Because we're hungry. Why? Because there's an eagerness. Why? Because I want to know what he's saying to me. I want to know some more of these promises that I can lean on when I'm hurting. That's not because you got to check a box. Not because you got to check, oh, I got to do my Christian duty today. I got to read the word. I got to pray. That's good, but you should do it out of heart. I just want more. I got a hungerness to see him, to see what he's going to do in my life. I got this hungerness. That's why we're going after scripture. Now, translating our world today, we're not just going to leave it for Sunday. We're going to search the scripture every day. I mean, the Bereans, they did it with enthusiasm. They, they searched for truth. They searched, they did it with eagerness with inside them. Spiritually speaking, it's easy for us to fall into this trap of, oh, I'm going to come to church Sunday. I'm going to open my Bible up on Sunday. I'm going to open up version on Sunday. And I'm going to eat one day. I'm going to go home. I'm going to put my Bible on the shelf. I'm not going to break it out again for next Sunday. Tell me how that fasting went for you this week if you ate one day this week. You eat one day a week? Come on. You're going to be dragging. You're barely going to be in by. 
yeah, we treat this, we treat church this way, we come to church, and we, the only Bible you get is what you read on the screen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to clean it down. You guys got me fired up this morning. <laughs> Try not to be so harsh. Some people, I'll say some people, not you guys, some people come one day a week, read what's on the screen, and they go all week without eating again. That's, that's just silly. You can't survive that way. And there's no wonder they're starving on the inside. This eagerness, this desire, this longing to, sub, to, to, to read the scriptures every day is a personal decision you have to make. And otherwise, if we don't, we just become codependent. Nobody wants codependent Christians. Come on. We shouldn't live our ways in a way like, man, I really hope Pastor gives me something good today that I can, that I can feed on because I've been hungry all week. No, be a big girl, be a big boy, feed yourselves. <laughs> I heard of one pastor friend, he told about a congregation member that he attended his church and ended up leaving his church and, and it got reported back to him. This gentleman said he wasn't getting fed. Pastor's like, well, the gentleman wasn't getting fed because he slept the whole service every service. I'm just saying. I'm your pastor. I love you. I know it probably doesn't seem like it this morning, but I love you. But this hungriness that I'm talking about has to be more than just Sunday. Because we got some of you sitting here with some real things going on, some real issues in your life, some hurt, some pain, some medical issues, some, some, some terrible things. And you need more than just a Sunday. You need a group of people who have been reading this word every day this week with the hunger, not because we have to, but with the hungerness to see how God's going to move on this Sunday. We need to be doing this because you never know who's going to walk through these doors on a Sunday who needs a word from God. You might be the one that has the word. That's why we need to be hungry. That's why I'm, I'm saying we need to dive into the scriptures all week long. Examine them. Be ready. When you hear and receive the truth, it's going to produce change in your life. It's going to change Brighton. It's going to change your community. Paul preached, and we, we, we read that some believed when he was at Thessalonica. He goes to Brian, same preacher, same message. The difference is the responsibility of the, of the listener. They were eager, and they desired to learn. I mean, imagine if every day I approached my time when I opened up the Word of God, I went to it with the expectation that the Lord has a word for me. What about every Sunday if I walked into worship service expecting God has a word for me today? I'm telling you, he's not going to disappoint. Maybe the opposite is true. You've ever been in church, you've ever been in a Bible study, you've read the word of God, you close the book, you walk away, well, I didn't get anything out of that. You ever think it might not be the messenger that's a problem? I said I was going to be nice, I'm sorry. It's the responsibility of the listener to receive it. 
It's the responsibility of the listener to receive what you're going to read. I'm telling you all this. I ask you, you say, all right, pastor told me to start reading the word. I ask that tomorrow you don't go to Leviticus. <laughs> Open up Leviticus. Maybe start with John or start with the easy book. Start with the Proverbs and then make your way on down to Leviticus. Last thing, I, I really need to stop. I'm sorry. Riley, can you come on back? Last thing we see out of the church in Berean is support in the fight. Support in the fight. You see, they received the message. They had an eagerness. And then they showed support in the fight. In 13 to 15, but when the, when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul in, at Berea, also they came there too. So here they come. Oh, he's there. Let's go get him. Verse 14, then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. And Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command from Silas and Timothy they, to come, they, to him, as soon as possible, they departed. You ever feel like you got this big kick me sign on your back? And the world is just tearing you up. Maybe you got a bullseye on your chest. You're like, man, the shots just keep coming. You have to believe that's how Paul felt. You have to be, believe Paul was beaten down. And here comes these Jews again. Here they come again. They won't leave them alone. They're coming again to, to get after them, to beat them up. They travel almost 40 miles because they heard Paul's up, up to it again. First thing I want you to recognize here that the Jews were not the enemies. The Jews weren't the It was Satan. Satan was the enemy. And that's what some of you guys need to realize right now. Certain individuals in your life, certain situations in your life, they're not the enemy. It, it, it's attack from the enemy. It's attack from Satan. We know this from Ephesians chapter 6. It says, for we wrestle and our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The first thing you got to realize, you're in a spiritual battle. Every single, if you call yourself a Christian, you need to realize you're in a spiritual battle. You feel like shots will be getting taken from everywhere. We have to remember that Satan is like a lion roaming, seeking who he can devour. That we're in a battle. We're in a, a spirit of war is waged, waged against us. In the middle of that, we need to be aware of that. But I also want us to learn from Brian. Learn how the brothers responded, how they respond. They immediately came to help Paul. They immediately ushered Paul away. They wasted no time. They says the brothers immediately stepped in. Reading in between lines, they had an evacuation plan, right? This one I realized the value of living life together. Of being in a place where we know when we're hurting. Where you know there's people in your life that are hurting. They're navigating some difficult decisions in their life. And they need to know that there's somebody there that can help. And so what do we need to do? So what you need to do is rather than wearing a mask, know that this is a place where there's going to be brothers. The people, you got to let people know that you're struggling. 
You don't have to broadcast it to the world, but somebody needs to know. So you can have some brothers in arms come up beside you, lifting you up in prayer, standing in the word of God for you, praying for you, fasting for you, knowing that you are not alone in this. We saw in Acts chapter 17, verse 12, 10 through, through 15 years, a beautiful picture of the church. This is what the church is. Church is full of a hungry people who's hungry for the Word of God, who's not going to let the Word of God sit from Sunday to Sunday, but going to devour it throughout the... Why? Because of hungerness. Why? Because they know when they come to church that others maybe need a word from the good Lord and the Lord spoke to you. So we're going we're gonna to focus on the Lord. We're going to come hungry. We're going to stand with each other. I know I went through a lot today. We've asked a lot of big questions. A lot of big questions about whether or not allow, we allow our circumstance to dictate our joy or even drive us off missions. We've been encouraged to evaluate our time we spend in Scripture. We allow the Word of God to be the standard by which we make decisions. And we ask, what does the Bible say? And we kind of wrapped everything up saying, listen, we're not in this alone. We got brothers and sisters in arms who have our backs, who stand with you in prayer, who will go to battle with you on their knees. This is the church. This is the church. This is what we need. We need to be hungry. We need to be in the Word of God. Not because we have to, because I need to. Not because I have to, because I know some of you are hurting. I need a word from the Lord to give to you. I pray that you would join us in this journey in 2023 to come hungry, to focus on the Word of God, to stand with each other in arms. This is what the church should be. This is what Brighton is. And we will continue to be. And this is how we're going to close out our service today. I'm going to ask Pastor Steve to come up. And he's going to lead us in communion this morning. I can't see not a more fitting way to end our service today than remembering 